0: Hey, it's sarah and this is kids these days a podcast brought to you by funding through the kansas department for children and families what words thoughts or feelings come to mind when you hear the term sensory play mess chaos fun relaxing why is sensory play important well hopefully after listening to last week's episode where we talked about our different senses you are already thinking of different ways to plan and implement activities that support and nurture those senses. And if you aren't, well, you came to the right place. Oh, and if you're in the mess and chaos camp of sensory play, my goal is for you to start dipping your toe into the fun and relaxing camp by the end of this episode. In the book, Please Teach All of Me, by Jackie Crawford, she states that, Allowing children truly multi sensory learning means designing an environment with sights and smells, language and auditory rhythm, and opportunities for gross and fine motor movement, touch, and manipulation. It considers the children's developmental progress and needs. It involves planning, routine, and structure. So, what do we mean by that multi sensory learning experiences? Well, these are experiences that engage all children's senses at one time, or as many as you can. So this creates stronger neural connections in our brain and leads to better retention of learning. Neuroimaging studies have shown that there is a greater amount of activity in the brain's information processing areas following multisensory input than there is following a single sense input. And in Judy Willis's book, Brain-Friendly Strategies for the Inclusion Classroom, A study was conducted on learning how to juggle in order to support the theory of multisensory learning, and they found that after several weeks of practice, the brain scans of the subject showed an increased number of synapses and dendrites in the brain's regions stimulated during the juggling sessions. What they found is that multisensory lessons can stimulate the growth of more brain connections, leading to better retention and faster recall. And that multisensory learning environment or activities targets the learning strengths of each child in your classroom or program at one time. Because as we know, kids all learn differently. Humans all learn differently. You know, we, have, we all have specific ways of receiving and retaining information that is individually optimal for each of us, right? Some, some of us have strong auditory processing skills and can understand just by listening. Sometimes other people need a visual cue to explain it, and then some need touch. And though there are children who respond well to the watch and listen approach, they still might not be processing information most effectively. And I will tell you, I think I've said it before, and if I haven't, well, here you go. I am very much a toddler in the way that I learn. I need to touch it, see it, feel it. It has to be concrete, something I can touch for me to begin to process it. So when we talk about multisensory learning and how it targets those learning strengths, ultimately, it's just a more engaging approach, right? Our our attention has to be activated in order to learn because it demands attention and focus in a way that's engaging and, and enjoyable. You know, when, when a child is engaging in a physical or tactile activity, as well as listening or seeing images and speaking, there's not much opportunity for their attention to wonder. And so I would say to this, those kids that you have that maybe during circle time are those kids that fidget and move and talk out and sing, find a way to let them do it. Because guess what? They are actively engaging their sensory systems so that they can engage and listen to you. They want to listen. They want to engage. Let them figure that out. Give them fidget toys. Have them stand up. Give them opportunities to move. Like we just talked about, the more senses that you can engage in your learning experiences, the more meaningful that is to children and the longer lasting that skill and knowledge is in their brain so after listening to last week's episode where we talked about the senses what they are what they do and now talking about this idea of multi-sensory learning maybe you're asking yourself like okay that's cool but like how do I know what a child's like sensory needs are or like what their sensory preferences are well have I got a tool for you So I've developed something that I just cleverly call the sensory inventory, and it's in your show notes. Scroll back down there, click on it. It'll take you to our KU website where you can download this and use it for you, for your program, for your parents, right? So what this is, um, I just came up with a little questionnaire. I know many of you have, um, many of you have getting to know you questionnaires that you have parents fill out when they first enroll that tells you some basic information about the family you know what what they celebrate who's in their family etc but i think that we miss out on some really key information when we don't ask about sensory things and you know what i don't know that that's something that we often stop to think about especially when you have a new kid in your program you're just worried about you know have they had their shots <laughs> so What this form does is it just provides parents an opportunity to give you some feedback. And I would also encourage you as the educator to fill one out about children. Compare them with the parents, right? This isn't a, um, how much do you know about your child? And now I'm going to quiz you. It's just an information sharing so that we can best meet the needs of that child. So it asks things like, what foods does your child enjoy? Which foods do they avoid and why? What smells do they enjoy? What smells do they avoid? What touch experiences do they enjoy or avoid? Um, What sounds does your child enjoy or avoid? What sights does your child enjoy or avoid? What type of gross motor activities does your child enjoy or avoid? And are there any other activities, material situations that weren't mentioned above that they enjoy or avoid? Um, then we go on to ask, what kind of space is your child most comfortable in? Right? This gives us a little idea of how to mix up our environment. Do we want some soft spaces, some low light, etc.? How do you know if your child is overwhelmed by their environment? Like, for example, covers their ears, moves around, retreats to a quiet space. Have you observed specific situations at home, out in the world, in which your child is more easily overwhelmed? What have you found works best to help your child calm down after being overwhelmed? Hugs, soft, quiet area, breathing, movement, etc. So that, so this inventory is really just meant, again, to be a conversation starter, an information getter, something that helps you best serve the children in your care. Again, it's in the show notes. Click on the link. It'll take you to the KU website where you can download this inventory. It's yours to take and use please if you come up with some cool questions that you would love to add add to that please contact me let me know so we are going to take a quick break and when we come back we will dive into specific materials and activities that you can use to start your sensory play implementation journey
1: it's spring which means the cold dreary weather is leaving and warm sunny days are ahead now is the time to put hard work into our gardens so we can watch our flowers and vegetables grow but what about our staff? Isn't it time we are intentional about helping them grow too? Join the Directors Alliance spring series of training focusing on helping staff grow. We'll have sessions on creating resilient staff, self-care for directors and staff, and increasing staff morale and motivation. Always that we can root for our staff. See what I did there? Join us as we meet together to explore how we can help encourage our staff in their growth journeys. Visit www.casito.org shop to find our Directors Alliance trainings or contact me, Stephanie Haney, if you have more questions. Stephanie.haney at ku.edu or 785-477-0797. See you there! Before
0: we talk about specific activities and materials, I want to take a few moments to talk about the sensory environment. We referenced that a little bit when we were talking about the sensory inventory, but I want to be real specific here. We want to provide the widest possible range of materials, objects, activities to stimulate the children's minds and bodies, right? We want to have a mix of flooring that's hard, soft, easy to clean, places to sit that are soft and smushy, and places that are, you know, like maybe a more typical chair that helps a child focus, or... Um, balls that they can sit on, we want to make sure that we are also balancing the light that we use in our programs. I personally am a am very sensitive to light, especially fluorescent lights. I prefer to have little to no light on <laughs> natural light if at all possible, right so finding a mix of that in a classroom sometimes is difficult, right? You can't make new windows and you can't change the light bulbs but there are really cool things you can use in your classroom like light cover panels that kind of dim or calm the fluorescent lights in a classroom. If you have to use fluorescent lights, we want to make sure that those sensory objects, those things that children can manipulate, um, squeeze, tear, touch, that those are throughout your classroom, not just in one space. Um, And as always, all items that are meant for children all items that are meant for children's use should be at or below their eye level and protected as needed. And with lights, we also want to make sure that we have a mix of sounds. Some children are very overwhelmed by loud sounds. Some children don't even notice sounds, right? Again, me personally, I am very distracted by sounds. And so an example of this would be not having music or a TV on in the background when children are around. We as adults, some of us, have learned to tune that information out. Well, children's brains aren't quite there yet. They don't know how to tune out that background information and pay attention. So when you have music going on in the background that doesn't have a purpose, like dancing or sleepy time or whatever, or you have a TV going in the background, a child's brain is fighting to listen to you and others and that music or TV. Um, And we also want to make sure that it's uncluttered and aesthetically pleasing. And I know everyone has a different definition of what that means. But, you know, when you walk into a room, especially classroom, you want it to feel homey and welcome and comfortable. and, And we want it to be so that children can easily find the things we want them to find. And lastly, we want to make sure that we are displaying children's work throughout the program, throughout the classroom. Uh, artwork, creative projects, pictures of the children and of their families, etc. So the activities and materials that I'm going to talk about, if you are a Pinterest person, I highly encourage you to check out the Casito Kits Infant Toddler Specialist Network Pinterest page. There is a link for it in the show notes. Um, And specifically on there, we have a board that's called Sensory Play and Integration that goes along with all of these suggestions, materials, activities that I'm going to give you, and a whole lot more. Um, In addition, in the show notes, if you click on that link down there, that takes you to that usually takes you to the infographic, you'll also find the listing of what I'm going to talk about of these activities, materials, along with some visuals of that. So um, hopefully I do a good job of explaining what I mean. But As a visual processor as well, it's nice to see what someone's talking about. Okay, so for real, let's talk about them. So activities and materials to stimulate and promote the visual sense. So we want to narrate and describe everything you see and introduce to the children. Use words. Don't just say, hand me that thing over there. Can you please hand me the blue truck? Um, Use mirrors right? meal times are an excellent time to stimulate the visual sense. What do you see on your plate? What colors? Tell me about it. Um, like using a surprise box. People call them lots of different things. I'm calling it a surprise box. Just a box like a tissue box or an empty wipes box that you put different materials into different textures, sounds, colors, shapes, cut a, cut a hole in the top or use one of the handy dandy wipes containers And encourage children to reach into the box and feel around. Talk about what they feel, you know, depending on their age. Have them pull out the item, describe and talk about what they found. But also don't force children to do this activity because especially if they're little bitty and haven't developed that object permanence, that might be kind of scary to stick your hand in there. Um, Children who are blind or visually impaired may not gain a tremendous amount of value from 14 different shades of green crayon on simple white copy paper. So maybe think about how they could benefit from a coloring activity that is on different textured paper, like bumpy or corrugated or scratchy, you know, like sandpaper, which is great for kids who aren't blind or visually impaired, but be mindful of that. Um, different textured books. And especially for babies, items with high color contrast... So you really want to look for things that are black, white, and red for infants. Um, not that they can't see color, but black and white. Remember uh, last week we talked about how that their, their sight is still developing for those first six months. And so if there's something of really high contrast, it makes it much easier for them to focus on and continue to develop that, um, that sense of sight. So activities and materials to stimulate and promote the auditory sense. Narrate and describe everything you see and introduce to the children. Hmm. Maybe you heard that before a few minutes ago. Meal times, Also something you've already heard. Does that food make a noise? You know, sizzle, pop. Listening to others, having conversations with, with others. What do you hear while you're at the table eating? Uh, give children items to bang together to make noise. And yes, I feel you. I personally am a migraine sufferer, and when I have a migraine and children are banging things, it usually doesn't end well for me, but guess what? They are learning so much about their environment and about their bodies when they bang things together. You know, when they take that block and they bang it on the table, instead of saying, don't bang that block, say, ooh, that does make a good sound, doesn't it? Why don't you try banging it on the floor to see what sound it makes? Providing that you're fuller's carpet. (laughs) Um, Read books and sing songs with children. Try using foam blocks and wooden blocks, right? They have different sounds when you drop them. Uh, Tap out the rhythm of a song while you sing it. Children who are deaf or hard of hearing may miss the verses in a song. However, they can feel the beat of the drum and the vibration of whistles or kazoos. And music can be a part of sensory play for kids who are deaf or hard of hearing. And so you can help them feel the music. So activities and materials to stimulate and promote the olfactory and gustatory senses. So before I jump into this, I want to make a note about food items used in play. Many programs refrain from using foodstuffs of any kind for sensory play, um, be it a socioeconomic issue be it a so a food insecurity or sending the wrong message that food is for play. Um, some programs refrain from using food in sensory play because of allergies. Um. But also, there is a lot of great research that supports using foodstuffs in sensory play. Um, you can talk to children; it's very easy to have. Um, olfactory and ghostatory experiences with food. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever watched like an infant or a toddler eat, food time is usually kind of a playtime. So I just, I want to be very mindful and respectful of programs that do and that do not use foodstuffs in their sensory play. And I think the most important important part to remember when making this decision for your program is be aware of the population you serve. Right, Their cultural practices around food, food insecurity, social economic status, aware of food allergies, you know, just be respectful and mindful of the children and families in your care when you are planning your sensory play. So that said, uh, when we talk about olfactory and gustatory materials and activities, Um, We can manipulate items with different smells, coffee grounds, grass, leaves, gelatin, cool whip, etc. Um, Manipulate scented dough. You can add essential oils or food extracts to your Play-Doh. Introduce new and different smells using smelling jars, like taking a cotton ball and putting it in a little um, container. I've seen some people use the dollar store salt and pepper shakers. And you can put a few drops of essential oil or a food extract on a cotton ball, put it in the container, screw the lid on, and have kids pass it around and smell it. Um, scented markers or pencils. Again, meal times. <laughs> what do you taste? What do you smell? Talk about the textures and give them names. Crunchy, soft, chewy. Um, and the tastes. Sweet, salty, bitter. And the temperature of the food. Go on a nature walk, collect items, talk about the different smells that they're experiencing, and possibly tastes. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure I ate dirt when I was a kid, so, you know. Um, And then activities and materials to stimulate and promote the tactile sense, that touch sense. So we want to encourage touching of different textures and give words to describe those textures. Bumpy, smooth, scratchy. Like we talked about um, using sandpaper as an art experience. Use different textured fabrics in books with pictures of the children in the room. Sensory bins, my goodness, the possibilities are endless. And again, keep in mind that note that I made earlier about foodstuffs during play. But those tactile senses, um, sensory bins, dry things like wheat, cornstarch, beans, rice, leaves, Dried pasta, sand, dirt, birdseed, sticks, tree slices, bark, organic sawdust, shells, snow, foam paint, etc. Um, some other things like wet corn, cornstarch and water, uh, wet leaves, cooked pasta, sand, dirt, and I, I, I hear, I hear you, I hear the people at the beginning that that thought dirty, messy, chaotic. I get it. I will tell you, I am a let's get dirty. If paint is in the room, it's going to end up on me. But I refuse to play with cornstarch and water. It physically makes my skin crawl. So, when I was a classroom teacher and we planned to do cornstarch and water, my assistant teacher ran that activity. So, and I know, I know, I hear you, family, child care providers, it's just you. But find ways to allow your children to have sensory experiences. And again, that's why we have an environment set up that, you know, we have some surfaces that are a little bit easier to clean. I'm telling you right now, go get a shower curtain from the Dollar Tree. That is a great sensory mat to put underneath things. Also, it's starting to get a little warmer. Take your sensory play outside. Um, so some other things for tactile senses blocks of different textures or types to stack and knock over, like we talked about foam versus wood. Um, old typewriters or computer keyboards or touch-tone phones in your dramatic play area. Bubbles, blowing, popping, stomping or squeezing bubble wrap, um, that surprise box that we talked about where they stick their hand in and feel around for things. Meal times. <laughs> Touching, playing with your food, the temperature of the food, the texture of the food. Passing the dishes around the table, holding cups and utensils, scooping food. So another routine might be during hand washing, right? You have to get your hands wet, push down on the soap dispenser, rub your hands together, make bubbles, rinse, dry hands with a towel. And the list goes on and on. Please check out the Pinterest board. Please check out the supplemental We're getting there. Almost done. So let's talk about activities and materials to stimulate and promote the vestibular system. Balancing. Swinging. Riding a merry-go-round. Slowly, please. Especially for those children that are very motion sensitive. Jumping. Hanging upside down. Freeze dance. Simon says head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Tootie ta. Crawling or rolling on various textures like carpet, hard floor, grass. Climbing up and down, an obstacle course, blowing bubbles, bouncing or balancing on a yoga ball, wobble chairs, doing yoga, bouncing in your lap. So some activities and materials to stimulate and promote. The proprioceptive system. And some of these will sound a little bit familiar from the vestibular system, but balancing, stress balls that I can squeeze, stretching, fitted clothing, bear hugs, doing yoga, chewing on things, heavy work, which is a really, really cool concept. Um, And again, check out that Pinterest board. There's a whole section in there that talks specifically about heavy work, but I'm talking about it, it. It really is just what it sounds like. So having them stack chairs or books, kids love to do chores. They love to be engaged with you. And I know sometimes it makes more of a mess than if you'd just done it yourself. But guess what? You're helping meet their sensory needs and you're teaching them responsibility. Let them carry the laundry from the bedroom to the laundry room or load the washer or dryer. Um, Sweeping, vacuuming, um, unloading the dishwasher. And no, don't let them unload glass and stuff. I get it. That breaks. Um, But also some other things like army crawls push-ups on the wall and no I do not mean that punitively at all but maybe putting some handprints on the wall like if you have to go down a hallway to go to the bathroom um and so there's a little bit of wait time which we know is never any fun for anyone you know have some handprints on the wall that the kids can put their hands on and do some wall push-ups or some wall sits um digging in the sand carrying buckets of water or sand medicine balls, oh, carrying groceries, wiping down their spot at the table after a meal, ripping cardboard or mail for your recycling, crunchy snacks. Again, the list goes on and on and on. And I can't stress it enough. Check out our Pinterest board. There's a lot of really great information out there. So to wrap up, I want to say that we would love to hear what your favorite sensory activities and materials are and about any fun new ways that you've taken the suggestions here and implemented them into your program. Shoot us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We can't wait to see what you come up with. See you next week. Bye. Kids These Days is a co-production of the Casito Kids Infant Toddler Specialist Network and Workforce Development Programs. These programs are supported through a grant from the Kansas Department for Children, However, information or opinions expressed herein do not necessarily reflect the position or policy of the agency, and no official endorsement should be inferred. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, or want to share your practice related to this or a previous episode, please email kidsthesedayspod at gmail.com, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Kids These Days Pod. Be sure to check out the infographic and other resources for this episode in the show notes, and don't forget to hit subscribe. This episode was written, recorded, and edited by Sarah Holmes. Infographics by Rudy Benavides. Music track Hackbeat by Kevin McLeod. See you next time on Kids These Days.